This is Tea Time Tom, and yes, it is an episode in English. But you haven't heard re- really, you know, my voice in English in a long time. Uh, can't remember exactly when the last episode in English was, but at least in April last year, which is starting to go quite a while back. So I'm happy to be back uh, in English, and today we're going to be talking about the second best competition in the world because we all know that the Europa League is the first one. This is the little sister. It's the Europa Conference League, and I'm joined by a special guest from Breaking the Lines. It's Richard. How are you? Good morning, Tom. Yeah, um, first I want to say um, a huge thank you to you to invite me to be on your podcast, Tea Time, Tom. Um, I've really enjoyed doing some uh, recent Twitter spaces with you in recent times, you know, for Breaking the Lines and now to provide some extra future content for, for listeners with podcasts, you know, I think that's great. For sure. I mean, you know, do you want to tell us a bit about um, what Breaking the Lines does? Because I think it's, uh, yes, it's a big, starting to be a big media, but I think uh, some of our listeners want to know about them. Yeah, it's starting to grow a lot. We're, we're getting a lot more content out there online now about um, all sorts of different leagues, teams, tactical breakdowns. We're doing regular Twitter spaces as well every Friday um, and on a variety of topics. You know, me and me and um, some of my colleagues for that, we, we discuss in our um, WhatsApp group about topics to discuss and we pick one and then, yeah, we get that out for you. I've got some more content planned for the site in the next couple of um weeks as well there's some podcasts so yeah you should definitely check out i'm breaking the lines it's uh, it's growing really well and i'm really proud to be a part of um its growth in the last couple of um in the last year since i started writing for them sure i mean i've, I've been on the last i don't know if it's a, yes the last two uh so i was on on friday i was on one of the twitter spaces to talk about um you know the europe uh well europe no the champions league the, the big one the, the big, big, big <laughs> one. and i'm to preview that and also participated in the the league and transfers one with um, with uh, Jeremy uh, a few weeks ago, so that was so really nice to be part of those spaces, and um, I'm happy that we can do this episode to talk a lot more about Dutch teams and, and the Conference League with uh, what's coming up ahead. Um, what have you felt about you know the whole first episode of the Conference League journey? Um, how do you feel it's as a competition? Firstly, I, I don't think I think we can both agree that there's not enough respect put on the name of the conference league but uh generally how have you felt about watching it so yeah the um so yet yeah, on the the europa conference league uefa's new third tier competition i have to admit i confess back around 2018 time or so when the idea of a third competition was first mooted i was like i need to wait a bit more and see what happens you know i felt there was that danger at the beginning you you kind of had a feeling to yourself is this a little bit excessive given the Europa League you know it did already the very good job when it came down to you know seeing more different UEFA nations as possible representing the group stages of a club competition in the Champions League you know and the Europa League lockout rounds were always very exciting um, however when I decided to dig a little bit deeper and saw that as a result that the Conference League would be comprised primarily of teams from outside Europe's big five leagues instantly I just became a lot a lot more of a fan of the new competition you know as someone who follows a specific non-Big Five league myself and takes an interest in all teams, leagues and stories from outside the Big Five leagues. This competition is just straight down my street, so to speak. You know, it's really just ideal for me and also for you as well, because you obviously you're based out in the Netherlands and you watch mm-hmm. so Eredivisie and follow that league as well. You know, no side outside of the Big Five leagues has won the Champions League since Porto in 2004 and no side outside of the Big Five leagues has won the Europa League since Porto again in 2011. So when even the second tier competition is beginning especially in the latter stages like the quarterfinals almost to be dominated by the big five league clubs only. I felt UEFA did kind of need to act. I think, no, the Europa League was a good product, but I do think they need to do something to try and introduce a comp- introduce something which is more to these 
non-Big Five teams level. And, you know, there are often some quoted comments online from fans like, well, why not bring back the Cup Winners' Cup or something like that? Now, ideally, I'd love that to be the case. I'm sure you would. I'm sure I would. But, but for it to happen, the Champions are going to have to go back to just League Champions only. You know, ideally, the Champions League would only be in the format it was pre-97 when second-place teams from the big leagues start to be allowed to participate. You know, I'd like it to go back to the format before that. But, you know, realistically, we all know from a financial point of view, that's just not going to happen. So, no, no, I feel the Conference League is, yeah. The, 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 whole, the whole thing is just wouldn't happen, especially with the revolution coming up in 2024 that's just very unlikely oh, after the Champions don't, even, don't, even, don't even get us started on that <laughs> no, no. so I, I think the Conference League is a nice compromise I think given these difficulties I highlighted just, just recently there um, I saw the draw for the group stage of the inaugural competition and it, 27 different nations are represented in it which I think that's fantastic you know nations such as Armenia, Estonia and even Gibraltar are represented in the group stage draw of the UEFA club competition for the very first time this is great. European football is more than just about the big five leagues and the big clubs worldwide. I have been, let's say, annoyed, but sadly not surprised by a lot of the negative coverage that this competition attracted, especially amongst certain Premier League clubs and English media. You know, they will look at things from a Premier League angle. And, you know, there's so many other examples of this too. You know, the disrespect that AFCON was shown recently is another example. I really dislike too how leagues like Bundesliga and Liga, and they, they get the really disrespectful and unacceptable tag. Farmers League attached them. It's just, it's rank disrespect. It's ridiculous. You know, leagues from Saudi Arabia get attacked too, like South American leagues, MLS, A League. You know, there's, there's, it's it's really unfair and outrageous. There's much more to the sport than solely just the Premier League. And a competition with lesser names can provide just as many memorable moments and entertainment as a nil-nil Champions League final between two elite clubs decided on penalties. Juventus, Kof, Milan, Kof, mm -hmm. 2003 Champions League final, Kof. Um, so, yeah, on to the, probably the most memorable moment of the competition so far, the inaugural Conference League. Got to be Bodo Glimpse, magnificent victory over Roma, 6-1 in Northern Norway, you know. Just just a wonderful night for the residents of Bodo and their team against the superstars of Roma, who, were, who of course, were Serie A's high spenders this summer. Yeah, I mean, it's it was a, a Mourinho masterclass, I think that's a, it's fair to say. Um, <laughs> as, as, a, as a, I wouldn't say a Roma fan, but definitely as a Roma follower myself, it was a bit of a... <laughs> A hard one to watch, but uh, it's the whole adventure of Bodo Glimt is definitely very interesting. I mean, there's there's obviously that that element that been champions for two years in a row. I mean, we've got a guy who's come into France recently. It's Patrick Berg, who's uh, has performed very well over there, and uh, the club seems to be developing really well. I mean, they've they've got a new stadium coming up, uh, like a very eco-friendly stadium coming up very soon, and um, you know, it's a trendy club, and I think that's what we'll be starting to get a bit more of. In the Conference League, there's that hipster element of, oh yeah, no, I don't watch just you know Manchester United every weekend. I also watch um, Bodo Glimpt or I watch uh, some really shady streaming sites to watch uh, Warsaw play against uh, Krakow on a on a derby. You know, as a what an elite game of the, of Poland. So that's, <laughs> there's that element of the Conference League where you're watching something a bit out there, something a bit new, and you know they've got teams like Maccabi Tel Aviv who are coming in and. Yes, we've heard of Maccabi yeah. before, and we, they've they've made appearances in Champions League and Europa League. But here, they're actually performing, going far rather than taking six nil defeats to like Inter Milan, for example. So it's it's what I think is very interesting for for this uh, new competition. I can't say I've watched it all that much. I've watched um, all of the, the Roma games, and I've uh, caught up on the the Ren games, mostly from a French perspective. Um, but uh, definitely watch a bit of the Netherlands as well. And uh, that's, I guess, what we talk about next. That is indeed what we talk about next. So, um, so Tom, you're, you're based out in the Netherlands, um, yes. home to the domestic competition, the Eredivisie. 
Um, a league which, you know, is the second highest scoring league in European football's coefficients this season, you know, behind only France's league. And, you know, I mean, I never thought I'd be uttering that sentence at the start of the season, but, you know, what a wonderful, wonderful achievement it's been for both leagues. You know, Ajax have done an absolutely remarkable job in the Champions League this season. But the Eredivisie also has four teams in the knockout rounds of the Conference League. Two are already through to the last 16 of the competition in the shape of Arsad Alkmaar and Feyenoord Rotterdam. However, the other two are in action um, in this playoff qualifying round uh, PSV Eindhoven take on Maccabi Tel Aviv like you've just said and Vitesse Arnhem take on Rapid Vienna so how are PSV and Vitesse shaping up in your opinion going into these um, crucial ties well I think the, the, the element also of, of, if we get into that is it's just seeing, seeing teams like uh, Sparta Prague and Rapid Vienna and all that stuff those are the teams that I grew up with watching in the Champions League you know those are the, the big clubs from from Central to Eastern Europe when I was like, oh, oh, now I know who what the capital of Austria is because Rapid Vienna played there. And, you know, it's it's that's how you do geography as you're growing up. But to go back to the football, I mean, PSV have been a bit inconsistent recently. And I think a large part of that is due to, to a lot of injuries uh, over the, the winter period. So they, they were doing really well uh, up until autumn. And then Madweke and Gakpo went out for injuries. Goethe also, as, as usual, went out for a few injuries as well. And although he's picked up a bit of form um, since joining the Netherlands, it's definitely been also a case of when can he actually play because he's often out. But he's still got the magic. You know, there's a little magician, German magician in the middle uh, who's obviously not had quite a career that was expected of him. Um, he's doing brilliantly there. Um, I think there's the element that the... They went top of the league uh, at the Christmas break, uh, which surprised everyone seeing how well Ajax were doing in, in Champions League. It was like, wow, okay, well, they can actually do this. Um, following Ajax's defeat to Alkmaar in the mid-December. But um, no, then there's been a lot going on over the break. Um, there's been players have come back from injuries, yes, but also players have gone for AFCON. So Sangari particularly has been a big loss for them over the break. Uh, then Roger Smith, the very astute uh, tactical manager um, decided that he's not going to pursue his adventure in PSV and, and, you know, not extend his contract, basically. And so that sort of moved things around in, in PSV and you're not too sure whether he'll stay for the end of his contract or whether he'll leave from the summer. General speaking, I think he, he will be moving to something like a mid, uh, like a top level German side or maybe something in the Premier League. Who knows? You know, he's, he'd be... If Manchester oh, well. United looking for a manager this summer, it could be a lot worse than Roger Smith. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the, generally they, they've started picking up a bit of form, uh, but they have also been distanced by Ajax, who, who beat them recently in the, in the it's not the classicer, but it's the second big game of um of the Netherlands, you know, the classicer between Feyenoord and Ajax, but uh, the Eindhoven game is also a very big one for Ajax. And they recently beat them in there, where um, there was a general feeling that if PSV could get three points in that game, they could really get back into the title race. At this point, it's five or six points difference between the two teams. Ajax could probably play with their B team most of the games, and it's not saying anything about um, the Dutch league. Um, it's more about the sheer quality that's in that team. I mean, you take as you take Taglifico as a backup left back, and you're like, okay, well. I mean, he was the guy who was, you know, pinging in balls against Real Madrid at Santiago Bernabeu like a few years ago. So it's, that could be worse as a backup left back. And that's just an example amongst others. 
Um, so generally, I think they, they've done very well, and um, they, they, they're coming in here with a bit of a negative experience in Europe, which was a bit of a surprise to everyone, but also their crucial game, they played it with lots of injuries. The crucial game against Sociedad, they lost 3-0, uh, had a red card, and if they'd won that one, they would have gone through to Europe League and probably done really well. At this point, I know that you'll probably ask me whether they, they keep on pursuing for the for the league or whether they will continue to the conference league. I'm sure we'll get to that after. But um, there's yeah, that my mind. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You've read my mind there, Tom. <laughs> yeah. And, um, but they're, they're only one point ahead of final in the league. And between the second and the third place, there's a huge difference. You go from qualifying for the Champions League to qualifying for the conference league. There's no even the middle ground for the Europa League anymore. Uh, because of the of the coefficients, so it's a bit of a weird one. I think uh, they they will do well uh, if everyone stays fit. Um, you know, I'm looking at Madwick and Gekros particularly as as a star players, but um, they they could go far. Uh, I definitely think they'll they'll be beating Tel Aviv, um, who I I can't say I've watched much recently, but um, the sheer quality of PSV is uh, is up there. Um, to go to to Vitesse, I think um, everyone. In the Premier League, would know them for the the lone army that Chelsea kept on sending over there, with the likes of Van Ginkel and so on. That uh, were kept on Mark Marin as well. If you go up a few years, would also play in Vitesse. Today it's more Mason about Mount won the... Mason Mount won the Player of the Year award, though, didn't he? So that was that was a brilliant loan. Exactly, and that's a, that's a very good example. Today, the players you would know are a bit rarer. Um, the the star forward is uh, Luis Openda, who's uh, who's been uh, doing really well from Belgium. But uh, the, the star player has probably been Bazor, who seems to be fine confirming his uh, his talent that he used to have on FIFA 13, you know, back in the day when uh, when people still thought he was going to be an elite uh, central midfielder. <laughs> and now he's turned into um, a very solid centre-back at tw- in the age of 25. I think he could do... He could probably oh, well. get a good move to a higher side in the area Divisie or get into the UK. Who knows? Um, they've... They've picked up form uh, in December, but they completely lost it. They've been on the run of three, three losses. Uh, they're playing PSV actually tonight, so it might be even a fourth one, and uh, that could be a really crucial loss. Uh, they're still in the playoff positions, so in the Netherlands, there's between uh, fourth and seventh, I think. There's um, you know there's there's a few teams there that play a playoff, and they get into Europe. Uh, whoever wins that playoff, so they're still in there, they're still in the mix uh, with twenty and. And other teams, but um, it's it's been a bit of fall from grace. A bit are definitely not the the lone army and the top side they used to be, and um, they're, they're struggling a bit. They keep on getting loans, including one from Ren, um, but uh, it's it's not quite what they used to be. So I don't think they'll go out this round uh, purely because well, Vitesse have a have a tricky game but not a, the hardest of games is Rapid Vienna uh, who who have been a bit inconsistent as well this season um, but uh, they, they, they will show their quality and uh, they definitely did against uh, Spurs earlier this year you know, they beat them in the first leg uh, in the Netherlands uh, they brought a really good game to, to Rennes uh, in the mid-December as well which ended a 3-3 so it's an interesting team to watch um, arguably Vitesse should be playing fast attacking football that be on brand uh, because Vitesse in French is pace, uh, which would be really funny. Uh, That's true. That's true. Yeah, they, they, yeah. they wouldn't. They, 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 they're not really. They play a bit of a 
weird shape and um, it's a bit complicated to to know exactly what to expect from them. But uh, I think they'll definitely go past this round hardly like a difficult one, but they, they probably will. And then we'll see about the next round when the tougher teams start coming back into the competition. Yeah, even just getting through one round, I think, would be good for Vitesse. You know, like I say, it all adds up to the coefficient. It all adds up to the coefficient. And I think it's going to be interesting, a game that match against Rapid, you know, because it's almost, you know, Rapid as well. You know, they've been the second best side in Austria the last couple of years, you would probably say, but or last season anyway. But yeah, they, they lost us in Karaites in the winter window to uh, to an MLS side. And I think Funtas, the Greek attacker that they've got too, he's also going to MLS into DC United. I think that's only in the summer though. So yeah, that looks like there's been a bit of disruption there, but they've got Yusuf Demir back from Barcelona. Obviously, they didn't take up the option to buy him. So I guess for one loss comes another game, they're getting Demir back. So yeah, that's another tie I'm really looking forward to, Vitesse versus Rapid. Um, maybe one that I might keep an eye on in this um, qualifying playoff round. Yeah. Great analysis there, Tom. Um, thank you very much for that. And just another one last quick question here on the Dutch sides. Um, which of the four Dutch sides left in the conference seat do you think will do the best overall? Do you think it will be PSV? And how do you think they'll approach the conference league as a whole, do you think? Do you think they can still win the Dutch Eredivisie title and therefore prioritise that competition? Or given Ajax are starting to create a little bit of a gap now, do you think that... PSV will throw their weight behind getting European silverware of the Conference League. And, and how will Feyenoord do under um, Arne Slot, who I've heard a, a good amount about as a good reputation in the Netherlands and, you know, nearly won the league two years ago with Arzad Alkmaar, had that league not been... It's going to be one of those what-if moments, isn't it? Had that league that league not been curtailed. But, you know, could you tell us a little bit about, about, about that in addition to how you think the four Dutch sides will go on in the Conference League? So I'll start with the the, the PSV element. I think uh, because they've been somewhat distanced by a very very good Ajax side, I don't see them pushing too hard for the title. Uh, does that mean they won't push for the league? No, because of, as I mentioned earlier, there's that one point gap with Feyenoord, uh, which they might not even have by the time this episode goes out if they lose to Vitesse. Um, you know, we're recording on Saturday morning. By the end of the weekend, everything could have changed. Uh, so no, they will still be focusing somewhat on the league. Um, I think here they've, if they've got a relatively easy tie against Maccabi Tel Aviv uh, and again it's cup competition so you never quite know who they can get in the next round you know if they end up against a Leicester or or even Fenerbahce you know away at Fenerbahce is never an easy one even with the complicated seasons of, of all three um, Istanbul sides um, but I think PSV could go far and uh, I will mention it at the end how far I think exactly they will go. Uh, but um, I think they, they definitely are the most likely to go far. That doesn't take away from the quality that final are showing. As you mentioned, it's a very exciting manager. Um, Reese Nelson has been doing really well since coming on on loan. Uh, and Malakian Kotchu have also you know, really proven to be elite top, 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 top talent. Um, they, they both have, have shown... Very good things, especially Kokshu, who in the midfield has been controlling things. Um, the next big thing to, to look out for is, is their um, South American winger, Sinistera, on the, on the left side, who have been coming on and off uh, with injuries, but also have been supplied very well with Reese Nelson. Uh, so there's, there's a lot of talent and a lot of speed in that sense um, or in, in this team. And they, they've brought games to Ajax every single time. And they, they really, you know, Feyenoord are one of the big three in the Netherlands and they've got the, probably the maybe not the biggest fan base but the, the hardcore fan base in the Netherlands that is a bit of a hooligan reputation for Feyenoord in Rotterdam but uh, they, they recently yeah, I know. 
Yeah, uh, no final Ajax games. There's no away fans, is there? I know. No, there isn't. Really fierce um, that rivalry. Yeah, there isn't, and even there was like um, issues in the the derby against uh, Sparta Rotterdam recently. So it's not even surprising. Um, and the last team I'll, I'll talk about it, but they they will go far. The last one is is AZ. Uh, AZ, who were really poor when I watched them against Roman in uh, in October. Uh, when you know, if you've not watched. That special goal in that game, uh, it was Ngonge who scored a scorpion kick, which just in front of my face was just incredible. Uh, but AZ were really poor, uh, even with players like Martin Zindi, Jordi Classy, or even Owen Weindel, who's, who's been, who played really well in the summer's Euros for the Netherlands, um, who was sort of expected to get a, a big move at some point. You know, he's this really strong left back who's uh, far too tall to be a left back, but um, he, he's really strong and really good. Um, but they, they've been pushing back and turned things around and are back in fifth, uh, competing with um, with Vitesse for that playoff position and uh, whoever goes to, to Europe. So there's quality there, but I think as a unit, it's it's a bit up and down. Uh, so I definitely think PSV would be the, the one that goes the furthest, because with comp- cup competitions, you never know if they get a big team. So it's either them or final, I think, uh, who would be going really the furthest. I definitely think that... AZ and Vitesse can go at least, well, Vitesse would have obviously the extra round to play. So they go past this round and then AZ will probably go the next round depending on who they get. So watch out for the Dutch teams for sure. Yeah, I'd almost forgotten that Rice Nelson had gone on loan yeah. to Feyenoord. You know, I, I really had forgotten about it. And, and then last season, yeah, when, when I watched a little bit of Feyenoord last season when they played um, CSK Moscow, someone who follows Russian football, I, I watched the Russian football. I watched um, Feyenoord in those two games against Siska. And and yeah, it was, um, you know, Koksu was someone who me and my colleagues at, uh, at Russian Football News highlighted as someone to watch pre-game. Um, yeah, you mentioned Sinister, Sinister there, the winger, the Colombian winger, I think. Is it Colombian? Yes. Yes, Colombia. Yeah, yeah Colombian winger. Yeah, no, it's 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 good to see Feyenoord on on the on the route back, and you know they've got themselves, you know, a good young coach there in Arne Slot. You know, um, again, got to go back to that those what if moments. If only that season had been cut out, I'd have loved to have seen RZ. You know, I'd generally love to see someone like an Arsenal Vitesse making a four team league. You know, showing up there like like Braga in Portugal, pushing the big three. I'd like to see that. Happen. Lille as well. You know, I've been in France recently as well, and that that same. Yeah. Vibe. Yeah, no, that that would be absolutely um, fantastic. So, yeah, I, I totally agree. I think probably PSV and Final probably the best two. Although, yeah, if AZ, if AZ and um, Vitesse can just chip away at the coefficient and just get through one round each, I think that would be you know still a very good sure. performance from them. Every little bit helps, as they say. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah, they're just going to keep yeah, chipping away. I mean, we mentioned a coefficient there a lot, but I think there's that big debate between who gets. Uh, the, the six spots in the uh, UEFA competitions, uh, well, table at least, and there's a, it's a five point five points difference with with um, Bordeaux, uh, with Portugal. Is that what I'm saying? Yeah, right. No, it's five point five points, and, and at the end of the season, the reset takes place for 2023, 24. But obviously, there's a transition year where it stays the same for one more year. So um, so, yeah. so it's, they've got to try and get ahead of Portugal this year. but um, And they, yeah. they, they want to be losing <laughs> too much time because obviously there's that uh, semi-final for Ajax on 2019. So as it's a five-year span, they, don't, they want to keep that in when they keep on pushing for the further competitions and so on, uh, which I'm sure That's right. Ajax will be pushing for a good semi-final this season. And uh, whoever they get next round, you know, if they end up with, with um, you know, 
Bayern Munich or Manchester City could be uh, definitely a trickier one, but I definitely believe in Ajax's quality to, to go far and uh, I think the same exactly in this competition. That's right, yeah. They've, they've got to try and hope Ajax, if they win this tie, they've got to try and hope, let me try and look again, the winner of um, Villarreal versus Juventus or someone like that, or maybe the winner of Atletico versus Manchester United. Those are ties which I think will be very winnable for, um, for Ajax. Even someone like Chelsea Lille. You know, Chelsea have been stuttering a little bit recently. If Lille could shot them, then Ajax would absolutely love that tie against Lille. So, yeah, because yeah, they think, beat them um, recently. I mean, they, they kicked them out of the Europa League last season, I think, even if... Uh, yeah, yeah, round of 32. Yeah, that's right, that's right. A big, big rivalry between Lille and Ajax now, I guess. Uh, <laughs> some competition. Well, these new rivalries that sprouts mm. up every now and again. <laughs> yeah, and um, and then you know, I'll just run through the, the the other fixtures before we get to the next points. So on the as competition, you know, there's obviously as as we mentioned before, there's there's the first round of fixtures, and then there's more teams that come in. So with the likes of Fenerbahce playing Cyber Prague, Michelin pay okay. Um, PSV obviously we said Maccabi. Rapid Vienne Vitesse, then Marseille, which we'll talk about later on, uh, come against Karabag from uh, Azerbaijan, uh, which I still don't know why Azerbaijan is involved in European competitions, but that's a whole other <laughs> conversation to have. Uh, Leicester, uh, Rondos, which we'll get to next. Uh, Celtic Bodoglimt, Sparta Prague, Partizan, and then the new teams that come in from uh, the topping their group uh, are AZ, Alkmaar, Basel, Copenhagen, Feyenoord, Ghent. Lask, Ren, and Roma. So in, in those teams, there's definitely going to be a few favourites for, for the win at the end. Uh, but one of the favourites that we might have had at the start of the season was, was Leicester. Um, obviously, they've been a bit in and out in the Premier League, but uh, how do you think they, they will fare in this competition? Well, it's interesting because um, I remember breaking the lines. We did a, a Twitter spaces on the Europa League pre-season and uh, when the groups were drawn. And Leicester and Napoli, would you believe, were the two Europa League favourites um, pre-draw, obviously, before all the Champions League dropouts come into it. Um, so, yeah... It's going to be a, they're going to be a very difficult side to predict on Leicester, I think, when it comes to seeing what they will do in the Conference League. Consensus is that many probably do seem to projecting for the Fox in this competition that when the tie against Randers arrives this coming week, that they'll probably put out a weakened side and maybe look to prioritise the Premier League and exit the competition. It's understandable why when you look at it on one glance, why they might look at doing that, because, you know, they're already behind with their fixture schedule due to COVID postponements over Christmas, New Year. However, when one looks at Leicester's position in the league, you know, is there not an argument to suggest actually the Conference League is important to Leicester, you know, or should be anyway, and that they should actually make in a push to, to try to win it. You know, currently Leicester sit 10 points off 7th place Tottenham Hotspur in the Premier League. So finishing the top six and getting minimum Europa League football for 2022-23 by the league looks looks out of reach to me. So, yeah, and, you know, the nine points of the 18th place Norwich City in the relegation zone. So barring a miracle, they're not going to get sucked into any kind of relegation um, dogfight. So, you know, that disappointing result against Nottingham Forest of the week, so then go out the FA Cup. So that, that should throw up some weekends to catch up those league matches that were postponed due to COVID. Weigh it all up and a mid-table Premier League finish in addition to winning the Conference League would be a decent way to salvage what's, let's just say, been a challenging season so far. You know, caveated by, of course, the fact that they have had injuries to key personnel this campaign. I think that's something you can't overlook. Um, it would guarantee Europa League football for next season too. They won the Conference League and that's helpful when a team's trying to conduct a rebuild of their squad, which is probably going to happen at Leicester. 
Um, it's such a fascinating time for Leicester too. You know, like I said, so many players, you know, maybe going up on the way out this summer. I had a look at the squad on transfer mark the other day. Lots of players out of contract in the summer 2023. Casper um, Schmeichel, Jamie Vardy, and um, a key one too in Yuri Tielemans, who I've just had a look online recently. And, you know, it looks like every chance he's not going to extend his contract at the club. So every chance he could, he could leave in the summer. So it's going to be an interesting summer for Leicester going forward. And, you know, but I look at the Conference League this season for them and look at it in the sense that an extra trophy in the cabinet in the shape of the Conference League would not just be a good way for some of these players to, you know, who, who might be moved on in the summer to, to bow out at Leicester, bow out on a relative high, winning something. But it would also relieve a little bit of the extra pressure which has built up on Brendan Rodgers recently. You know, I think I have seen a little bit more of it start to intensify. Whereas if he's to win a trophy, then that gives him more clout when approaching the board in the summer saying, you know, give me a chance to rebuild this side, I can reshape it. And finally, too, it's just a chance to go down as the first ever winners of a new competition, you know, write your club's name into history. You know, I, I would understand Leicester having an, an unenthusiastic, more unenthusiastic, let's say, attitude towards the Conference League if they were in a, embroiled in a race to the top four in the Premier League right now. But to me, right now, given their current position in the league, given that they're not going to qualify for the league, the Conference League is something that they should be going for. You know, I mean, whether that belief is shared or not remains to be seen, though it has to be stressed. Yeah, I've, I've got two questions for you. I mean, obviously, from a, from an English perspective, there's the element that this competition is disrespected. You know, we all expected um, Tottenham to be the favourites to win it, and look at them, they they went out, obviously, in special circumstances, because they, if they'd beaten Wren in the final game that they were supposed to play, they might have gone ahead of Vitesse. But um, taking that into account, there's that first element of do does the English media really understand what the competition is and how important it can be? Um, do English clubs actually care about this competition? And on the other hand, does everyone just believe that Leicester's going to win this because it's Leicester and you know they won the FA Cup last year and they're an English club? So obviously, English clubs coming into any European competition are somewhat favourites. You know, look at Manchester City or Chelsea in the Champions League, um, and that's clearly not the case. Obviously, we had a whole the whole English final last year, which takes away my point, but the main element is like, you look at BT coverage of European football, it's like, oh, well, we've never heard of Salzburg. Who the hell is Salzburg? Oh, and, trying to get me started on that. Yeah, and I will shout out to my, my good friend now, uh, Euro expert, he has a very strong opinion about uh, about this, <laughs> and uh, I'm sure he, he'd be delight, delighted to hear that we, we're trying to defend this competition. So all in all, do you think the, the, the fact that Leicester are still amongst the favourites in this competition, taking into account that really poor season. Is it just a, a English bias? I'm not saying that you are, I'm just saying generally the, the whole English media. Or is this just the fact that everyone just believes it's a bit of a, a you know third-tier competition and it should be easy to win? Yeah, I mean, it kind of stretches back to answer your first point there. It, it kind of stretches back to the whole thing, what we discussed at the start of the pod, isn't it? It's like almost this belief that the Premier League, you know, is is just, it's the league and nothing else really is is relevant or, or well, not relevant, but, you know, it's the league, you have to play in it. It's, it's the dominant thing. It, it, it is arrogance on the part of, of, of the English media, I think. I mean, look, I understand the club like Tottenham, for example, who've been qualifying for Europe very frequently recently. You know, I understand the Spurs' attitude towards it. I could understand because they wanted to prioritise the Champions League qualification. 
Yes, they've not won a trophy in a while, but ultimately I can understand it from Spurs' point of view that or if Arsenal ended up in it or Manchester United ended up in it, I can understand the clubs like that, for example, not really wanting to prioritise it because their the main objective is at minimum to get Europa League, but then to get the Champions League with a top four finish or maybe even win something like the FA Cup. But, you know, I would be disappointed, for example, if a club like, let's say, Southampton or West Ham ended up qualifying for this or even Leicester dropping into it. If a club like that ends up in the Conference League, to me, you're probably going to finish mid-table in the Premier League anyway. I would be definitely looking to win this competition because, like I said, for the fans, it's a trophy. And look how hard it is as the League Cup semi-finals. Even winning the League Cup is tough nowadays. Look at how the League Cup semi-finals turned out with, you know, four of the big six in them. You know, it's just so difficult to even win that. And the League Cup was widely seen for so many years as this tournament where, you know, the the big the, the big teams ended up getting knocked out early and the small teams ended up getting to the final. You used to have that quite a lot, but you don't have it as much nowadays because the, the, the top teams are just so dominant. So, yeah, it kind of depends on the club, really. You know, like a Tottenham, Arsenal, Man United, I understand why they might be a bit more lukewarm towards this. That's a bit more understandable, but Clubs like, you know, a Leicester or West Ham or Southampton, someone like that, absolutely they qualify for this, should be looking to to do well in it and win it. And yeah, I, I've not liked the coverage of, you know, the competition from BT sometimes. I've been critical of it as well. And yeah, it, it's, I don't think they just, they just don't kind of understand that this is a competition which UEFA has to allow all its member state nations to compete in it. They have to allow everybody access to it. But it is predominantly a competition designed for the smaller teams. You know, the, as I said, Porto were the last team to win both the Champions League and the Europa League. And that was 11 years ago in the Europa League's case, nearly 20 years ago in the Champions League's case. So the, the smaller leagues had to have something primarily designed for them to help them out a little bit. Obviously, you've still got the sides like Salzburg, Porto, who are going to be competitive in the Champions League and the Europa League anyway. But this is something designed for, you know, your Copenhagen's, for example, you know, a side that dominate domestically or, or Powok in Greece. They always qualify for Europe domestically, but this competition allows them to be more competitive in, and have a run in Europe you know, then that's what's realistic in the Europa League and certainly the Champions League. So I think it has been misunderstood a lot in the UK media. And um, when you actually look at it from the perspective of those leagues ranked, let's say, between 8th and um, 15th in the UEFA rankings, it's right down the street. And for some of the, the, the good teams like Ludogorets, as I said, like Copenhagen, this is perfect for them. So, yeah, I think there's an element of this competition that's been, I don't know whether it's deliberate or whether it's accidentally, but misunderstood, let's just say, by the British media. Um, and like I say, to answer your first question, it depends on the club context. I think someone like a Leicester, Southampton, someone like that should be looking to treat this competition seriously. But I can understand why an Arsenal, Tottenham, Man United might have a more, let's just say, let's concentrate on the competition's kind of mentality towards it. So it depends on context. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I think um, you know you mentioned uh, Copenhagen there, and I think you think there's you're going to have to look out for a lot of the Scandinavian clubs that are left in, in the competition for especially a tough away game, you know, anything that, that um, I mean, obviously as the further down it goes into the competition, the warmer it will get into Scandinavia, but I'm sure an away game in Copenhagen in mid-February is going to be a bit of a tough one. Um, you know, you take the the park, as they call it, uh, as we had at the Euros, uh, is one hell of a stadium and uh, you want you don't want to be taking an away game there uh, hoping for a win because it's uh, the pressure you get there. Uh, it's just, it could be anyone and I think that's an element we'll be seeing here. Uh, I think that's one of the things I really loved about Europa Leagues for the last two or three years has been the element of unexpected uh, and just random teams showing up and players just um, 
you know, showcasing their talent, you know, really unknown players to Western Europe people. And I'm not going to say I'm a specialist on on the the, the Dutch, well, the Dutch league, yes, but like the, the Scandinavian leagues. Uh, so when yeah. you get a team who, who shows up and and as a striker who scores four goals against Tottenham, for example, or even you take the example of um, Dinamo Zagreb last year, uh, when that centre forward scored three goals against Mislav Olsic. Yeah, Mislav Olsic. Yeah, he, he just kicked them out by himself, basically, and became an instant star on internet, at least, if not in real life. So I think there's the element of, of hipsterish uh, attitude where it's like, oh, we really want to discover um, this next uh, Serbian centre forward. You know, you're seeing Vlavic going to Juve. Who knows what the next centre forward could be doing? So, I mean, Eric Botheim. Eric Botheim. He um, came on the scene for Bodo Glimt this season. He's actually just signed for Krasnodar now in the Russian Premier League. You know, they're one of the well-backed clubs in that league. Obviously, it's a big coup for Krasnodar because I really thought, you know, some of the teams in the big five leagues would actually be probably be having a look at Botheim. But obviously, you know, he's gone there. But yeah, like you said, it's finding those gems. And I think Botheim himself had been released by I think it was Rosenborg, I think, and then had dropped to Bodo Glimt, and now he comes with a. Norwegian title and you know memorable moments against Roma in the Conference League. So yeah, like I say, that's the great thing about this competition, Tommy. Just allows these clubs who you know people might not have heard of a lot, but there's still talent there, and then they can showcase their talent and get themselves a move. So yeah, I think that's even if you know even if they don't end up in the top five league, you know it's it's interesting to see those smaller transfers in brackets where there's as you said transfers into Krasnodar or into the Russian league who are still competitive and. you know, obviously they've fallen a bit from grace, the Russian league and the Russian national team as well, but there's still top teams there. Uh, you think of Zenit and so on. So, you know, that that's one of the, the big elements. And obviously there's still big teams like Marseille involved in the competition. And that leads us brilliantly on to our next point. So, because uh, uh, I'm going to pose the question to you, but you're on the spotlight now, no, Tom. So, so yeah, um, I know you're someone who follows French football a lot. Obviously, you do content involving Lyon, Marseille's big rivals mm-hmm. in the shock des Olympiques, the, Olymp- the clash of the Olympics. So, um, so let's move on to the side who you could argue it's a surprise to see them in the Conference League, given their Europa League draw. And that's uh, Olympic de Marseille, uh, Les Fiorsin. Uh, finished a disappointing third place in the Europa League group behind Lazio, which, given their standing in European football, was probably understandable coming behind Lazio, but also behind Galatasaray, who surprisingly won the group. You know, the Galatasaray at the moment are enduring a terrible season in Turkey, 13th in the Turkish Super League at present. They're only actually three points above the relegation zone, which I was staggered to see the other day when I looked at it. So, Tom, is it fair to say that Marseille, who are chasing a top three spot in Ligue 1 at the moment, may look to prioritise the league? At present, given that Champions League football next season is very much on the horizon, they get a top three finish. Or given how poorly French clubs have historically done in European competitions, do you think Marseille should go for this competition and the silverware that it will bring to Jorge Sampaoli and his and his, and his players? Um, I think there's that element that Marseille have been pretty atrocious in European competitions altogether. I mean, they went on that run uh, of, I think it was 13 or 14 defeats in a row in the Champions League. Uh, which I think ended last year with a draw, which is hilarious. It just uh, it was the the running joke, and everyone just saying, "Oh yeah, Marseille always be the first to win Champions League." Yes, but you also the team with the most defeats in a row. You know, take away um, you know the likes of Ludogorets or or those teams who always get a bit of a diff- hard time when they go into the Champions League. But even them got at least a draw in that in that span. And you're allowed to letting yourself go with 13 <laughs> defeats ranging over a decade. It is hilarious. <sighs> That's and, shocking. 
shocking and uh, that's why I'm, I'm sort of thinking i don't know how well they can fare in this competition let alone trying to win it i think there's you, know, you look at what they did in europa league they, they got a lot of draws uh, it was very average a lot of the losses you know the, the galatasaray game particularly was, they should have won the first game and they still drew it and then they, they just would bang average most of the competition and um there's the element that Marseille don't like Europe. And I don't know why, but they don't. Um, <laughs> they, they just don't. So, yes, obviously, they, they're running for riots in the, in, in the Ligue 1, and they've been sort of up and down uh, recently. They, they did very poorly in uh, in against Nice recently, uh, who have been a very good side, and I expect to do really well. Um, maybe they probably should get Champions League football, actually. They're currently second Nice, so they probably will get Champions League football next year, again, under Galtier. So that's a team you should look out for in the Champions League, if not the Europa League next season. But going back to Marseille, there's a very talented squad. And, you know, the likes of Guendouzi and, and, and Saliba have been incredible uh, in that team. Uh, they just lack that centre-forward. You know, Milik keeps them coming on and off with injuries, and they just don't know how to, to get the goals. Uh, it's uh, it's a bit of a chaotic football. You look at their recent defeat in the Olympico uh, against Lyon, which was turned around the last 15 minutes to the main man Shakiri, who's now left. Uh, but um, you know it was a bit of a, a bit of a shocker to to get that overturned. There's that element of combustion, like they they self destruct, uh, and I think they could do that again in this competition. Now I don't think they'll go out uh, to Carabag. Like I don't, I don't think it's that far. They like they. they it could cause us an upset, but I think very unlikely. Uh, but I think definitely as soon as they start playing Scandinavian teams who are a bit more organised than them, or even you know bring a game to to Celtic. I mean, imagine if Celtic go through and it's like the first leg is in Celtic Park, the away game is in the Velodrome. You know, you're going to have some really tough fans there uh, backing you up, and it could be a really interesting game, which I don't think they would necessarily go in hands in the pockets thinking it's going to be an easy game. Um, although French football does have that tendency in, in European competitions. I'm thinking back to, to Lyon going out to Apple Nicosi in, in the Europa League a few years ago. It's a bit of a shock. Oh, good lord. Yeah, yeah. But um, no, I, I think they, they will prioritise Ligue 1, and that's unfortunate because I think they could definitely uh, run for a, a good um, you know, good run in this competition and maybe even get to, to the final and win. Um but uh, we'll get on to it later. But I think uh, Ren definitely have a chance uh, as a French representative to go a little further as they're a bit struggling in the league and uh, they have an incredible squad. And I think uh, it's a shame that they, 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 they don't try and play that at least, you know, give it a real try because they've been incredible in the Conference League. And they play a lot better there than they, they do in, in, in the National League. So who knows? But I, I don't think Marseille will go... Again, competition, you never know who they're going against. You know, if they play someone like Partizan in the next round, then they, they probably will get through there as well. But I don't see them going any further than maybe quarterfinals in this competition. Yeah, I've always felt that felt that I, I share that sentiment with Marseille as well. That it, the velodrome, it's almost it's a double-edged sword, isn't it? It's one of those, it's it's when Marseille are playing well. It's a really hostile place for opposing fans to go well to stab Villa, to go and play a game to stab Villadrome. But when things are going badly, it really can just go off at any moment, can't it? It's just yeah, like you said, combustible is a great word to describe Marseille. I think they're just they are that kind of side. It's almost like a Jekyll and Hyde with them almost situation. And um, yeah, I, I sort of agree with you. I think they should be Carabag. Um, obviously, you can't underestimate any side. You know, Carabag have 
qualified for the Europa League group stages on a number of occasions. So they're certainly not absolute minnows. You know, they, they, they deserve a lot of respect for Marseille. But yeah, I think Marseille should beat them over two legs. But yeah, you do wonder when they come against someone of more class, more calibre, whether they, especially when you're going for Liga and top three, especially when the rewards that Champions League football mm-hmm. will bring. Yeah, I, I'm a bit, a bit sceptical as to whether they can go well in this competition. They certainly have the calibre of it. And again, a lot of it is draw dependent. You get to the quarterfinals of the competition all of a sudden, then even if you're going well in the league, then I think whenever you're in the quarterfinals of any competition, you've just got to go for it. You know, even if even if you, there's the worry that it might mess up your domestic form a little bit, you're in the quarterfinals of the competition, you're only two games away from the final. So, but yeah, it, 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 a lot of it is, I think, quite draw dependent. Or four, and, um, four with the, the return legs, but yes, I see your point. Oh, yeah, four, yeah, four competitions, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but um, yeah, it's it's it's, it's going to be interesting to see what 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 Marseille do. So um, they're one of those intriguing sides, a little bit like Leicester, and what what will their approach be? So looking forward to seeing what, that. What I find interesting is obviously there's all these big teams, and we'll get on to Roma later on. But you know, there's there's I'm not going to say old big European sides because Marseille is still big European side, but they haven't shown that much class in the later stages of a Champions League in a long time. Um, you think of PSV as well, you know, I'm, I'm bringing back my memory of 2004, for example, when they went into a semi-final, I think, or a quarter, uh, yeah, semi-final, uh, the likes of Ronaldo, Van Bommel, and all those people were playing there. Um, they've all been, you know, on and off over the last few years, and they end up in this really new obviously competition but also fighting it off against smaller teams who will be some of them are discovering you know european football i think Bodo glimt is playing their first season uh, in europe or one of the first ones at least or in a long time and um you know there's the element that they're fighting you know david versus goliath but also we don't really see the elements you know we talked about this uh, just before the podcast it's a lot harder to predict some of these these ties because unlike the Champions League where you'll find yes you know a Salzburg versus Bayern or or Sporting against Manchester City it's a lot harder to predict these games and um, you know you might say I'm going to say that the Dutch and the French go really far in this competition but they might stop all in the quarterfinals and you end up with an all Scandinavian final who knows um, so actually I want to get your take on that who do you think um, it's going to go really far. Maybe two or three teams are going to go really far, and uh, eventually, will you'll try and decide uh, who your winner is going to be? Yeah, just just very quickly before we go on to that, um, I totally agree with you in that sense. And when you're playing these sides like Partizan Belgrade, like Karabag, like at Copenhagen, for example, they're so Ludogorets, for example, they're so well versed at qualifying for Europe every single year. And especially if you're from a side who let's say, for example, Lons qualify for Europa League or Conference League in Liga on this season, you come against these kind of sides, they're so well-versed to it, and then you're not really used to it because you don't qualify every year. Yeah, that can add a tricky element to it. These sides are just so well-honed in it because they qualify for Europe every single year in the domestic competitions. So and the away games are always the... crazy. Like You want, you don't want to go away yeah, to yeah. Partizan in Serbia, you know? Oh, yeah. It's, it's, it's just a maniac, crazy atmosphere there. I mean, it really it adds something to the tie, but yeah, it's definitely intimidating for opposing opposing teams that's that's absolutely for sure um so yeah on to potential winners and sides to to watch in this competition i said on our conference league preview for breaking the lines pre when the groups were drawn i said roma would win the, the conference league and i am going to stick with that i do know they've had some poor results 
since both in Europe and Serie A, I think. And of course, you know, Jose Mourinho. <laughs> um, there's talk, you know, he's not got the Midas touch anymore. You'll probably know this as well, Tom, being a Manchester United support yourself. And obviously, given the outlay spent on their squad this summer by, by you know, Roma's new, new owners, the high spenders in Serie A, they would have wanted to have been higher up than seventh place in Serie A. Right, no target should have been the top four without without a shadow of a doubt. And you know they have enough depth to do well in this competition too and juggle a title challenge with that. However, because they're seventh at the minute and no guarantee of making even the Europa League by a league placing for next season, I do actually still wonder if Mourinho and, and Roma will turn this to this competition as a way of salvaging their season. You know, had Roma only made second place, this is another interesting dynamic too. Had they only made second place in their group. It would have been interesting to see what the approach to it would have been, especially with the extra game. You know, photo glimpse. You know, they were ahead of them until that final match day, and then they failed to beat Zoya Luhansk and, and blew top spot. And you know, Roma took advantage and got that top spot by beating Sistica Sofia. So, I think you know they might not have been as bothered about the Conference League had they had this extra game. But I think because they're already in the round of sixteen, it's just given them now. You know, you're three games away from the final. That's it. You're three ties away from the final, and you know that 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 element of winning your group and giving yourself a bye I think has been one of the beauties of the reforms to European football this season both at Europe and the conference it gives you a chance to get a bye rewards teams to put out strong sides in Europe and really going for these competitions so Roman and I will enter the round of 16 ties yeah I think they have sufficient depth to go two competitions and play three ties and get to a final and finally just the trophy element of it too you know even if it's just a conference league for Roma it would probably alleviate some of the pressure on Marino if he won it it would recover his reputation of a trophy winner which was slided in recent years too which could be significant with Roma ownership whether or not they keep backing him next season or not Honourable shout-outs, possibly to do well. I concur with you, uh, final in PSV, I think will do well. And also, watch out for Stade René. They were a dark horse of mine. Um, I think they've definitely got a good squad, two of players. They, they had a brilliant summer's recruitment. So, yeah, I'd say all four of those sides are sides to watch. So, my tip is Roma, but also watch out for final in PSV and uh, Stade René as well. Yeah, I was going to go similar ones, you know, the French or the Dutch teams, although, as I've mentioned before, Marseille could self-combust and and destroy themselves in the next round. Uh, I can definitely see it losing to a, a you know, a partisan away uh, with uh, Ganduzi getting sent off after half an hour or something along those lines. You know, I, I could definitely just see it. Um, <laughs> Picture uh, it in your head and then right away you say, yeah, I told you so, a month further down the so. line. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll clip this and then put it back online uh, in a few weeks uh, once they, they do that. <laughs> um, but no, I, I definitely mark down, you know, the French and the Dutch clubs and, uh, you know, Marino's rumour. Obviously, they're a bit in and out. Um, just to give a little context, I think they don't even, they might not even get conference league qualification at this point to the seventh, uh, same amount of points as Lazio and um, Fiorentina, who have been really good, although losing Vlavic is going to be a hard one to replace, uh, even with Piontek. Um, they're only three points behind with a game in hand. Uh, so they, they could be, you know, Lazio, Roma, and Fiorentina, all three of them on 39 points. And at that point, unless Fiorentina win their game by three goals, uh, it's going to stay in that order. And uh, Roma would not even qualify for any European competition. So this is this would be ludicrous for a team like Roma. Uh, although the money happened. they've spent, the coach yeah. that they've got. Yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, you look at the likes of Abraham and so on, who've come in this summer, Smalling as well. Um, th- there's such a there's a elite mentality. You know, Smalling has won the competition before. I'm not saying Smalling is the key element to, to Roma and he would win single-handedly the competition for them, but you need a team of winners and Marino knows how to win. Has he forgotten a bit how to do that recently? Possibly. Um, but, you know, if you take Marino's time at 
Manchester United, he did win the League Cup and the Europa League in the same season, finished second, uh, maybe that year or the following year, I can't remember. Uh, uh, it's the following year. Yeah, following and he year. said it's the biggest, biggest accomplishment of his career, which says a lot about the quality of the squad that he had at that point. Um, also, Mourinho discourse, but, you know, that's, that's another debate. Um, <laughs> obviously, there's that element that he didn't quite get what he needed from Tottenham. I mean, he got a great appearance on the Amazon Prime documentary, but apart from that, uh, it wasn't quite what we expected. I think he's, he's rejuvenated to an extent. It's Italy, it's his element, uh, you know, likes of the, his time at uh, Inter, for example, just shows that he knows how to do it. I think he could go far, uh, but you got to look out for teams like Blint as well. It could create a hassle. Um, and any Scandinavian team, as I said before, could could really bring uh, ties to right to the depth. So I'm expecting a lot of extra time, you know, especially now that we don't have the away goal rule anymore, uh, a lot of extra times and penalties, which could create really late drama uh, in, in this competition. And I think uh, it's worth looking out for. Um, the final element I think we, we should talk about is, is maybe players we should look out for whether they're up and coming or have been yes. standard names uh, for maybe lesser known teams. Um, I mean, lesser known, I'm going to mention a star player for Roma. So that's another element, but um, who do you think uh, could be the, some of the players we should be looking out for? We are picked out. Um, I'll just be a little bit greedy and say one time looking forward to watching in this um, upcoming knockout playoff round. Um, you can pick one as well very, very quickly. Celtic Bodo Glint. I'm really looking forward to this one. Um, Ange Postacoglu's coming at Celtic and looks to have really revitalised them, and they're probably now actually the favourites for the SPL title. Um, so, and then you've got Bodo Glint, who've lost, you know, Berg, as you said, to, to Lons, and they've lost Eric Botheim. So it'll be interesting to see how they come into that game, obviously, as well. The Norwegian League's on a long winter break, so they're going to be a little bit rusty. So you probably. Probably, I'd say Celtic are the favourites for that one, but it should still be an interesting tie nonetheless. So that's probably my tie of the knockout playoff round. Uh, in terms of players, I've picked out a few. Uh, firstly, I know he doesn't always start for Stad Rene because he's still very young yet, but Kamaldine Suleimana, um, yes. you know, not even 20 years of age yet. But I remember seeing highlights of him online on YouTube clips for his club in Denmark. I think it was Nordjylland before he signed for um, for, for, for Stad Rene. And, and wow, I was just so impressed. You know, the young Ghanaian. He looks to have everything, you know, good technique, dribbling, pace, the ability to glide past players, the ability to take players on and beat them. Um, so, yeah, I know you've seen more of him than me, Tom, so feel free to expand on my Sulemana reference when I'm when I'm finished. Um, but, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing him play um, in the Conference League and the rest of the season. A um, couple of other ones I'm looking forward to seeing. I'll probably just say Celtic's new winter window signings in general, you know, who Ange Postacoglu brought to club in the January transfer window, you know, who, you know, as I said, looked to tilt the Scottish Premiership title race in the favour of the boys. Uh, Rio Hatate, Dyson Maeda, Johnny Kelly from... Um, from the League of Ireland and Matt O'Reilly from MK Dons, um, all brought to the green and white half of Glasgow from different leagues around the world. You know, so much intrigue into how they get on. And I've, I've been looking at Atate and Maeda, the two Japanese players who um, Postacoglu obviously knew from his time coaching Yokama F. Marinos. You know, they've looked to have started really well at Celtic. So I'm looking forward to seeing them play. And finally, one last player, and I'm, another one you'll be familiar with, Tom. Uh, central defender Marcos Senesi of Feyenoord Rotterdam. I've heard some good things about this player. I briefly saw him play when watching Feyenoord in both their matches against Fiscal last season in the group stages of the Europa League. I also heard too that he was a possible replacement being lined up by Sevilla this transfer window. 
just passed in case Diego Carlos, the Brazilian central defender, had left for Sanchez Pizjuan to sign for um, Newcastle United, which obviously never happened. So, you know, I'll just finish off there. Maybe, you know, maybe you could give a quick load on Sanessi and, and Suleimana, maybe. Yeah, so yeah, definitely has, a, has that potential of going far. Um, is he going to go re- that far? I don't know. You know, you never know with, with raw talent, uh, but uh, he's, he's got it there and he's got focus and he's, he's calm. I think that's, that's the main element when you're an up-and-coming player is, 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 is being calm and under pressure, uh, which seems like if you look at, you know, the the first season that uh, Cam Mavinga, for example, had at Ren, uh, you just think that these young players just don't feel pressure anymore, uh, which is quite surprising. You know, I feel pressure being on a podcast. Imagine playing in the Champions League semi-final. Um, but uh, yeah, imagine it, mate. Well, that's just yeah. I'm nervous, like you, just podcasting. But yeah, going playing in yeah. the Champions League match. Well, exactly. And um, yeah, for sure. Like Solomana has. Uh, I think he's got the shades of, of Doku uh, in the sense that he's very, very talented, very skillful, very quick, but struggles to finish off things. Uh, he's got bursts of a few games where he's incredible. Um, but there's a lot of attacking talent in that team, so I think he rotates a lot with. Like sort of Terrier, uh, who's, who plays a bit more central than he does, but you know, there's a lot of talent up front, and Ren, as as a general, uh, should be a team you should look out for, and a lot of talent in that team. I'm gonna go with um, with Madueke, firstly, an Englishman in the Netherlands. It's a quite rare, but uh, um, he's uh, he's extended his contract, I think, recently, uh, just like Jacopo, and uh, will be looking to stay a bit more time in, in PSV. Um, does that change with the change of manager, possibly? I don't know, but uh, he's definitely enjoying his time once he's not injured. And um, yeah, he's definitely a very quick winger that we should be looking out for. Does that mean he comes in instead of a Sancho, for example, in the team, in, that, in the national team? I don't know. Uh, I don't know whether Southgate watches a lot of the Eredivisie, but he should be because he's a very, very good ta- talent. And the other one, um, I mean, up and coming, because I'll talk about uh, Mr. Zaniolo as well, uh, who's sort of feels like a raw talent because he's been injured so much that he's, he's really rediscovering his, his playing career, uh, although spends most of his time getting sent off uh, as of late. Uh, so we don't really know what to expect, <laughs> expect from Zaniolo, but a very talented player who should have been at the Euro squad uh, this summer, just like his buddy uh, Zaniolo. Um, Pellegrini, who has also been very good. But the last player I'll mention is is also from Roma. It's Felix uh, Afama uh, Gian, who uh, has one hell of a story uh, this season. You know, he's uh, come, I think, from my understanding, comes from, from a bit like um, Alfonso Davies, refugee camps, um, very tough upbringing. And at 19, Mourinho came in and was like, I don't generally trust that much young players, but I'm going to trust you. And he really did. And on his first game, he scored a double. And, uh, you know, it's it's a great story. And he's kept on playing. Obviously, he's, he's competing a lot with, with Abraham up front and the likes of uh, El Sharawi, who's come back in as well on the left. But um, every time he's played, he's shown determination, drive, and, and just no pressure whatsoever. He, he just goes for it. So that's another player we should definitely be looking out for in, in Mourinho's team. Um, I think that sort of wraps up everything. I don't know if you have any final words about the Conference League, but uh, other than it's a very exciting f- competition we shall be looking out for. Yeah, I just want to echo those thoughts there on um, the player you just mentioned. Um, so, what's his name again? So, I forgot Gian. Yeah, that's that's right. Yeah, I saw. I actually watched that match against um, Genoa, Genoa versus yes. Roma, because obviously Shevchenko had just taken charge at Genoa. I wrote, wrote a piece on BTL about it. And then, yeah, they were looking good for a draw, and then he just 
came up late at the end with two brilliantly taken goals and one Roma of the match, a match where they, you know, didn't struggle to break down Genoa, but then, you know, they, 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 he brilliantly came on and just tilted the game in their favour. A um, couple of last things, yeah, just, just I say, really looking forward to this uh, knockout playoff round of it. Um, my Thursdays are going to be quite nice because, you know, the, the Conference League and the Europa League, I think, are on at different time slots. So I think that's mm-hmm. going to be really good. I can catch the Europa League game and the Conference League game on the Thursday with the two time slots. Really, really well-balanced set of ties. You know, I'm, I'm so looking forward to seeing, you know, um, Rapid, Vitesse, uh, games like that, and Celtic, Bodo, Glimt. You know, really even matchups. And then, and then some of the big boys coming in the knockout in the, the round of 16, so that should be even more entertaining. And and yeah, just um, yeah, so many sides, so many stories to watch. I mean, just a shame um, Arthur Cabral had to go to Fiorentina to replace Vlavic because I think he would have been one of my players to watch had that not happened. But um, but yeah, echo a lot of what you say there, Tom. Um, and it's it's been a brilliant podcast. I really enjoyed it, and we timed it just right because coming up to an hour mark now. So uh, yeah. yeah, it's been a great chat, everybody. I've really really enjoyed it, and. Um, yeah, please do keep an eye on the Conference League if you're if you're into watching football from different areas, teams you've never heard of before, um, potential new stars. Definitely keep an eye on this competition and um, you know keep tabs on it. That's all I'm going to say because it's really enjoyable. I think. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I'm I'm a guy who sort of goes down the lines of uh, what uh, Jack Collins says a lot on squads, uh, rank squad. It's uh, narratives FC. You know, there's all the stories that really go down in this competition. You know, you always find really cool tiny glimpse of stories from either clubs or players who've like Afamogian come from refugee camps or really tough upbringings and, and just bring the competition to a whole new level and um i like what many p- people think that the level of the competition is not low like yes it's unknown teams but the, the level of the competition is really high obviously it's not don't expect champions league level football but um expect excitement I know overturns and, and just not the same team and the same players every time. Expect players that you don't know, expect the unexpected. I think it's a good way to, to approach this competition. And uh, it's been an absolute pleasure to... to I yes, think, I think one last, one last, very last thing as well. I want to say is that as well, the away goals will be removed. In, yes. uh, no, that's generated a lot of controversy. But in the conference league, where you're going to have a lot more even matchups, I think that's going to be really good because you're not going to get such disparity between like, you know, I remember Sporting has been playing Bayern Munich in the Champions League last a couple of years ago when the first leg was at Sporting. And then they obviously, they conceded like four goals, I think in that three or four goals in that tie. And then that's tie over basically because Bayern have got four way goals. And, the, you know, the second leg's then just a complete write-off. Whereas when these, with the away goals will be removed in this competition, I, I, I think because the teams are so much more equal, it'll just mean teams will just go from it right from the start. There'll be no fear factor. The home side won't be afraid of conceding that away goal now. So I actually think the away goals will be removed. Yeah, it caused a lot of controversy from a Champions League angle, but Europa League and especially Conference League angle where the ties are more even, I think it's it's going to really be good because you will see more attacking football, I think. So, Definitely. Yeah, and that's the thing. Um, that wraps up perfectly the podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, where can we find you, Richard, uh, online? You can find me on Twitter. Let's just follow Tom once again. Just reiterate, an absolute pleasure to come on. Thank you very, very much for your invite. This is something. This is something that we had planned um, around Christmas time, and uh, in the last week or two, we, I revived it with Tom. We had a good. Um, I was chat on on Twitter. I think we were watching one game in particular, and um, then we was talking 
during the second half of that game and we revived the chat and we eventually decided to, to do this podcast for Tea Time Tom. So huge thank you once again for inviting me. Absolute pleasure to spend an hour talking with you about the Conference League. Um, you can find me at, at richdpike89 on Twitter, at richdpike89. There'll be some work of mine coming out for breaking the lines soon. There'll be possibly some more football manager guides coming out soon. I think I've got a little bit more time on my hands for that. And also um, Russian Premier League starts again soon. So we'll be doing um, some podcasts for Russian football news. And yeah, check out our Twitter spaces on breaking the lines. I'm sure me and Tom will be on a lot more going forward. Um, and yeah, that, that's that's pretty much what I'd like to plug. Amazing. Uh, yes, I, there is a chance that my Fridays are going to be taken uh, in, in a few weeks to come again with more spaces, but it's always a pleasure to, to be on. So um, I'd like to thank you for coming and thank you everyone for listening. Don't forget to subscribe uh, to keep on listening. I think there must be one or two English episodes coming up very soon. Uh, definitely some more French ones planned ahead. So please do uh, share the podcast uh, and uh, you know, subscribe. I will speak to you all very soon. Thank you for coming. And uh, yeah, goodbye and have a good day.